Well, it's great to be worshiping with you this morning and a good start to Mother's Day here celebrating as we just take some times with family and some times with kids and being able to see what God is doing kind of across this church. And uh, love to be able to take part in these days and making much of Mother's Day in that regard. So, moms, great to have you here with us. And, and uh, man, it's great to be celebrating with you along the way today. And uh, I'll just tell you, there's a lot of celebrating that takes place in the different ways of life, right? Whether it be a Mother's Day, maybe you get together with family and do a meal or whatever it is, and uh, maybe it's that Christmas Eve meal or Easter meal, or maybe it's a Fourth of July meal. We do a lot of celebrating with meals, right? And uh, as we get together and we rally around that, it, it really is. It's a part of just kind of listening to each other, laughing with each other, sharing with each other, and uh, spending time around the meal is a big deal. And, uh, you know, yesterday we were actually out at a... Um, celebration for a graduation, and uh, as we were sitting at the restaurant, uh, I won't say what town we were in, just to protect the innocent, but so as we were at this uh, restaurant, the uh, waiter comes up, and he says, hey, have you guys been to this restaurant before? And we're like, no, none of us have, right? We hadn't. We picked it actually off the internet based on the look of it was kind of how it happened. And uh, so we ended up in this place due to the internet. We're like, no, not really. And he's like, oh, you're going to love it. The same guy that owns the truck stop runs this place. <laughs> now, I'm not sure, but I'm thinking that's not the best marketing statement to start out with, right? And we're like, great, right? Now we're looking at the uh, details of the food a little bit closer as we open the menu. Are you guys ready? No, I need another minute, right? as we're starting to process through what would it look like for this to be delivered up at the truck stop, right? And he's like, just so you know, it's kind of all the same food. And uh, so just pick what you want, choose what you want, and, uh, and I'll be here with you one another point in time during it. He said, I'm here to defend you. I'm with you. Now, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure how many things have gone wrong at that restaurant, but I really never knew that the waiter was there to defend me. You know what I'm saying? And uh, as we sat and talked and laughed and joked together throughout the rest of that afternoon, and there were uh, too many stories to tell there of the unusual different things that happened, uh, we just enjoyed time with our waiter, Jeff, and his myriad of stories and uh, sharing with us each time he came back and us learning all about his family and his farm and his animals <laughs> and his peacock and his sheep, and his wallaby, and his girlfriend, and I'm telling you what, it just kind of went on, and on. each time he came back, we were like, what's coming next, man? And uh, it was a good time as we sat and chatted together. I'm just telling you, as we sit down together to meals, uh, we really do. We spend time learning, laughing, joking, and remembering, and a lot of what we're looking at today in John chapter 21 is all about a meal. And as we get towards the end of this passage, the meal is going to be center stage and super important to the content of it. So remember what we're here for. We're in a sermon series. And this series is actually called That You May Have Life. That you may have life. It came right out of the end of John chapter 20. We looked at it last week. That we might believe in his name. That we might have life in his name. Man, we must understand this. Jesus Christ, he is risen from the dead. And all of God's people said, Amen. Jesus Christ, he is alive. 
People have seen him. They have walked with him. They have talked with him. There is truth in it. And John actually structured John chapters 20 and 21 so that as we looked into it, we would see it somewhat like a legal courtroom. And each uh, week, we end up seeing testimonies of witnesses who were there with. And so super important about the witnesses, right? First, really high character. It's really not helpful to bring a witness in and they are super untrustworthy people. And then whatever they're proclaiming out, you're like, I hope you believe him, right? That's not helpful. Everybody say not helpful, right? And so what's actually happening is the rolling out of these different witnesses are very high caliber witnesses, very trustworthy people to be counted on and depended on. You can count on their character. And then more than that, they were a first-hand witness to Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He is alive. And these people have met him and talked with him and seen him after the resurrection. Super important that we grasp that. High character, first-hand witness. And then the last piece, and willing to die for that truth. That's who these people are. That's what's going on in these testimonies. And so now we dive in today to John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. And we're looking at really the fourth witness being brought to the stand. And uh, so much like this is a legal courtroom, John is like, Your Honor, I bring to the stand the seven disciples. And we get ready to dive into John chapter 21, verse 1. And uh, so point number one, witness called. The disciples witnessed another miracle as Jesus filled their fishing nets with fish. Witness called. The disciples witnessed another miracle as Jesus filled their fishing nets with fish. It starts out John 21 verse 1. Here we go. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Right? Let's just hang there and let's walk it through. So after this, after what? Well, it's whatever was written right before it. And so if you go back into the end of John chapter 20, we see that this is actually where Thomas is being introduced to Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. And so John chapter 20, at the end there, the disciples have been brought back together into a room. The room is locked because of fear of the Jews. And now again, we have Thomas with him. So the disciples and Thomas. Remember the first time it was just the disciples. They met with Jesus Christ. Thomas wasn't there. And as they're telling him, dude, I'm telling you, we saw the Lord. He's like, yeah, I don't think so. I'm not sure I buy that. I'm not sure I'm in on that. Unless I see the marks in his hands and the mark in his side, unless I'm able to walk with him and talk with him, yeah, nah. uh And so the end of John chapter 20 is when Thomas is being introduced to Jesus Christ, hear me, risen from the dead. As he sees the marks, as he hears him talking, and he believes and he says, my Lord and my God, as he lays it all on the line, I'm in. I believe you are risen. And uh, after that, it says, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Now, just so you know, the Sea of Tiberias, also called the Sea of Galilee, right? And so this is quite a ways from Jerusalem. In fact, probably depending on where you're at, on which tip of the sea and where you're residing, it could be anywhere from 60 to 100 mile walk 
depending on where you're going and how you're getting there. And so a long way, everybody just say, that's a long way, right? Can you imagine? You're like, hey, I think we should leave Jerusalem. Let's go on a 60-mile hike, right? And so that's where they were headed. So when it says after this, it doesn't really say how much time, but they had quite a walk ahead of them as they walked up to the Sea of Galilee. In fact, at the end of Matthew, one of the statements promised is, Jesus will meet you in Galilee. And so this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. A huge statement going on about Jesus making good on his word at the Sea of Tiberias, at the Sea of Galilee. Now this is where these men had been fishermen for a long time. They hung out there. They knew this place. They were going back home. They were going to a place they were used to. And they were ready to hang out there. It says, and Jesus revealed himself in this way. Here we go. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. So if you add those all up, it ends up to be seven of the disciples. And so Simon Peter is the first name here. He's kind of the leader of this crew. Simon Peter, he's sort of taking charge of what needs to happen next. Maybe he doesn't even know himself, but Peter knows how to lead. And so Peter's going to step up. And so Simon Peter, Thomas, who we just heard about, he just came to trust in Christ and see him as Lord and God. And a huge statement of him being God. Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee. And then it says, the sons of Zebedee. This is actually James and John. And in fact, if you do a little study, James is the first of the apostles to be killed. This is in Acts chapter 12. He's the first of the apostles to be crucified for his belief in Jesus Christ. And then John of Zebedee, he is the last of the apostles that is believed to have been killed. And so this is kind of the bookends on the apostles, is the sons of Zebedee. They were also called the sons of thunder. These boys knew how to bring it. And, uh, and two other disciples who apparently didn't make the cut on their names getting written down, right? And uh, it really doesn't say why their names weren't recorded, but they didn't record the names here. And they were hanging out together. Now, you have to remember that uh, what's just gone on is a huge set of events, right? I mean, if you go back just a few weeks for them, they're really going back to the triumphal entry. They're coming in with Jesus Christ, and they're like, this is unbelievable, I've seen this guy as Messiah. I've watched him teach. I've watched him heal. I've watched him do miracles. I've watched him rock the world of the Pharisees. He is going to be so in charge. And as he's coming in in the triumphal entry, the people all around start responding. They've seen miracles with him. They've talked to him. They've been at parties with them and this massive celebrating starts as the palm branches are used and thrown down and they're crying out, Hosanna! Like, this is a huge celebration of Jesus Christ, the coming in of the Messiah. And within a day or two or three, everything has gone sideways, and they can't believe how bad it's going. It gets to the point where Jesus is arrested. He's being mocked. He's being spit on. He's being beaten. He's being nailed to a cross. There has to be a moment where they're like, no, this can't be happening. And, and what's going on? And, and Jesus Christ gasping for last breaths. And they're watching a spear shoved into his side to verify, yes, he has died and 
the miracle, the Messiah, the king is gone. They now spend the weekend mourning and grieving and trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden, one of the women comes running back in and says, the tomb is open. His body is missing. They've moved him somewhere and we don't know where. And so now you go running out and you check it out. And John and Peter check it out and they end up seeing clothes on the ground that were grave clothes. And they're like, what is this? And all of a sudden, they see the folded up cloth that was over the head set aside. And they're like, could it be? And in that moment, it said they saw, they perceived, and John believed. They grasped. He is risen from the dead. And as they move out, all of a sudden, Mary is ushered in. She meets an angel. She turns around. Jesus is standing right there with. She talks with him, communicates with him. She ends up celebrating with him, and Jesus sends her off to be a witness and a testimony. They're now coming back. They rally the disciples. The disciples are scared for their lives. They have the doors locked, and all of a sudden, into the middle of the room, Jesus appears. And he reveals the wounds, and he reveals what's going on, and he's showing them that he is risen. And man, in this moment, there is this massive low going to this huge high, and there is laughter, and there is celebration, and then they get Thomas in on it, and he starts understanding and believing, and can you imagine the depths that they went down to, and then the heights that they were raised up to in the midst there was this huge shaping of their thought. And then Jesus says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And he gives them some commands and directions. And they're like, I have no idea what to do with that. And so they wandered back home to Galilee. And then says, after they were together, Simon Peter, remember the leader of the crew, hanging out, and they're trying to process all that's taken place. Simon Peter said to them, all right, I'm going fishing. Like, we better hear that the way it was said. Like, for all those who are fishermen in here, this is the, look, man, the one place that I get a little bit of relaxation, the one place that I can really get after it where my mind clears is out on the water. I don't even know what just happened. I'm going fishing. Right? I'm just going to step out, and some of it just to relax, some of it probably also to get some food and be able to provide for themselves. Uh, Simon Peter is like, I'm going fishing. And uh, as we get into the spring and the summer here, some of you are like, oh, I so know that statement. Right? And uh, those that were around him said, we will go with you. We will go with you. And uh, we're in. And, uh, Peter's a leader. And he suggested something, and the others are like, so on board with that game. Let's do that. And hey, just so you know, you're not really a leader if you're suggesting doing things and nobody's following, right? And super important, if you view yourself, you're like, I'm a leader. And you like look around, and nobody's behind you following you. Nobody's with you. Nobody's taking the guidance. You might be a little off on your giftedness, right? And we have to be super careful with that. And uh, all of a sudden, we start trying to want to be something and, and make sure you're just who God made you to be. And all of God's people said, let me say it again and say it stronger. Let's make sure we're just who God made us to be. And all of God's people said, Amen. super important that we grasp that. Peter, he was designed to be a leader. He's like, I'm going fishing. 
The others are like, all right, we'll go with you. So they went out. They got into the boat. But that night, they caught how much? Nothing. And uh, can you imagine? There had to be a moment where they were like, who suggested going fishing? Right? Have you ever been out fishing and you catch zero the entire time you're out? Zero. There's a moment where you're like, all right, I appreciate getting sun and all that, and I really do appreciate the relaxation, but if I don't catch something soon, I'm done, right? I'm going to quit if, and uh, there has to be a moment when you've gone through the entire night and you've caught nothing where you're ready to actually say, I think it's maybe time to call it quits. And uh, just as day was breaking, the sunlight's breaking onto the horizon, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, we're going to see a little bit more detail about why they didn't know it was Jesus. One of the details that's going to come up is right at this moment, he's actually kind of far away. And uh, we're going to find out it's about 100 yards out at this point. Can you imagine standing on one end of the football field, somebody's on the other end, and they're crying out to you and talking to you, and it can be a little bit difficult to recognize, and we'll get to a little more detail on that in just a second. But they didn't know it was Jesus. It said, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Now, some of your translations may say friend. Friend, do you have any fish? And just so you know, there's a very relational word that was used here, but it actually is most literally the word children. Children! And and so if you've grown up at all, if you're into your 20s or your 30s or beyond, and uh, somebody's like, child, right? You're like, who are they talking to, man? Are they talking to me? I'm not a child, and what's up with that? And, and uh, there's an endearing moment to it, but there's also a, maybe a slightly belittling moment to it if you're trying to assert yourself in any way. And the children, do you have any fish? All right, now he's called me a child, And he's pointing out the failure, right? It's the end of a fishing night, and we have nothing. So what's the appropriate answer when somebody cries out, Children, have you caught any fish? Notice what it says. They answered him, No! That's it. That's all they said. The the recorded word is, No! Why? Well, one thing is, they're actually pretty far apart right? They're a hundred yards apart. We'll find that out in just a little bit. So it's not like you start having verbose conversations. You're like, no, not really. We were over by the seaweed and we didn't really see anything over there. And so then we were moving a little bit and the sun went down and it really didn't get to be such a, all right, he's not understanding a word I'm saying. I'm going to this. No, that's it. That's all I got, right? And uh, they answered back, no. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Remember, these guys are professional fishermen, and they've been out fishing all night. And Jesus leads with this. Children! And then he follows with this. How's it going? And then he follows with this. Wrong side of the boat. <laughs> Try that side. And, uh, and uh, 
Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And uh, it doesn't record this at all. This is the gospel according to Tim now, okay? But you know they were sitting in the boat, and it went something like this. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Did he seriously just try to guide us to throw it on the other? Like, we haven't thrown it over there already. Are you serious? Throw it over there, and then? Oh, my word. What are you going to do, Peter? Just throw it on the other side. We're going to throw it anyway. Just throw it. All right, that's the world according to me. I might find out I'm completely wrong, and they were deeply reverent at that moment, but I'm best not. As he says, cast the note on the right side, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. Remember, not one fish. It's not like they were catching little fish and they were throwing them back. Not one fish. They literally changed the location of the net by about 15 to 20 feet, and the thing loads up with fish to the point where they can't even really haul it in. You're like, whoa, as you start pulling it in, and you can imagine the laughter that starts up if you've ever been out fishing and you haven't caught anything for a long time, and all of a sudden you get a hammer to the rod and you're starting to reel in something bigger, these guys are in that moment of like, this is unbelievable, look at this, and they're laughing and they're celebrating and people are like, put your hands on the net and pull, man, we can't get it in without you, and everybody's pulling hard to pull it in, and the quantity of the fish was, hear me now, miraculous. And we better get that. It went from zero to stunning in one moment. And it was after the word of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, and a miracle. And a, it says, that disciple whom Jesus loved, everybody say that's John, right? This is the way he records himself. And uh, in the gospel of John, he's like, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, all right, everybody's going to know that's me later, but the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, second time around on this one, it is the Lord. All of a sudden, he recognizes the miracle from something to massive, and, and this has got to be, this is a miracle, and now he's recognizing the earmark of Jesus Christ. He's, he's recognizing the in-charge nature and the Wait a minute, he called us children. And that's what Christ used to call us when he was teaching us. And everything starts to lock in. It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, um, <laughs> he was very calm and at ease. And he thought deeply about what he should do. No, not at all, actually. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had been stripped down for work, and he threw himself into the sea. That's Peter, right? So he's out on the edge of the boat. He's got almost nothing on as they're working out in the heat of the day and they're trying to catch the fish and it goes all the way into the night and overnight and gets up the next day with trying to still work it and he's really hot and overheated and so he's stripped down for this work so no cloths and no, coal or no heat on him. And all of a sudden, John's like, the Lord! And he's like, unbelievable! Puts on clothes. <laughs> And jumps, you got to picture that, man, where other guys are like, they're hauling in, and Peter's like, Poosh. and you're like, what is he doing? We've got fish to pull in. We've been doing this all night for this, and he's gone now? 
Now he chooses to jump in the water. So they're still pulling in as Peter is now trying as hard as he can to move through the water. Have you ever tried to run in water? Come on, that's a dead answer. Have you ever tried to run in water? Right, and the water's like up to the waist or the chest and you're like trying to move through it and you can barely get through it. That's the scene going on. Make sure when you read scripture, you see what's really happening. Don't skid past, right? I mean, let's just, I'm gonna be really, let's just be clear. Peter's a goofball. (laughs) And and he's jumping in the water. He's just sold out and going after it, right? And and the rest of them are like, dude, we followed you out here to fish and now you've left us. And so they're standing there half laughing and half trying to figure out what Peter's doing. And Peter's taken off as the rest of them are doing the work and said, Peter heard that it was the Lord. He jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net of full fish. You've got to picture that moment. As Peter is approaching Jesus and he's like, unbelievable, right? And the guys are behind him and they're like, row, row. And the other guys are holding on to the nets. They're like, hang on, don't let go. And they're doing all the work now, right? And so they're dragging the nets and they're bringing in the boat for they were not far from the land, but they were about 100 yards off, okay? So they were coming in from 100 yards out with the capture of fish that Jesus has just given them. Jesus, he has given them a miracle so that they can understand who he is. And he's revealed out to this group of personalities what's going on, right? And in the midst of this big expressive release of who he is, There's belief that happens. John figures it out. Peter figures it out. The rest of them get super excited and they start rowing in and there's this huge celebrating of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, a number of years ago, um, uh, my daughters and I, we used to do this thing called Indian Princesses. I don't know if you guys have heard of that down here, but the YMCA used to do this daddy-daughter thing. And so every spring and every fall, you would go camping with your daughters. And there was a set age range. I don't really even remember the age range anymore, but little, right? So they had to be like four years old up to just a couple of maybe second, third grade kind of thing. And uh, so you take them out and they're like, you know, little. And our job is to set up a tent together and and to actually uh, stay with some of the other dads and their daughters and have a fire and cook out and have a meal together and so I remember we were sitting by the fire one night, and uh, what we used to do is we, one of the guys brought a copper tubing, and if you put like a hose inside of it and you throw it in the fire, it makes wild colors like greens and blues start coming up in the fire. I'm sure it's toxic, and I was completely unaware of it, but, but that's what we did, right? And uh, so it was thrown in, and all these toxic colors are coming up. It was beautiful, and uh, we're watching it. And uh, one of the times, one of the logs just fell off to the side, and I remember watching it. And it actually talked about it a little bit with one of my daughters. And, and you watched it just go from kind of like this orange hot, like the, the ashy white on it. And, and it just started fading out over time. And you just watched it sort of fade down. And there was a moment where it was almost so not lit, not hot. Somebody just went, it's time to put it back in. And they took a couple logs and lifted up and put it back on the fire. And that same log just reignited pretty fast and actually lit up to this bright orange, white hot center right in the middle of it. That's what was going on at the 
fire. And I'm telling you, that's the exact same thing Jesus was doing right here. He was taking some logs who had fallen off the fire and he was kicking them right back into the middle of the heat. He was saying, you guys, you're missing it. You're stepping aside and you're going to relax and you're going to fish. And I'm telling you, there is something huge happening. Let me introduce you back into the middle of who I am. And he places a miracle right in front of him. And hear me, this is how Jesus works. Whatever it is you're passionate and caring about, wherever your unbelief is sort of resting in the moment, in that place is where he comes and addresses you. And Jesus Christ coming to address the fishermen in the middle of their fishing and bringing them fish, right? In this huge moment as Jesus is revealing the miracle of who he is. And a uh, hey, simple question. Are you in the middle of the fire? White, hot, blazing orange, passionate, excited for Jesus Christ? Or have you fallen off to the side? Interested in your own things, wandering off in those, time to see Jesus Christ as he is. And it's time for us to get fired up about Christ. And as he revealed to these guys the greatness of his spoken word, May we trust in him. And all of God's people said, number two, worship. Worship Jesus who was physically resurrected and afterward ate with the disciples. Worship Jesus who was physically resurrected and afterward ate with the disciples. It says, when they got out on land, remember this is all of the... Uh, disciples, the other six, they've been rowing while Peter ran off on his own. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And, uh, there's this huge moment where Jesus has already prepared the grill and he's already got fish on it. Let that settle. They were out all night. They found how many fish? None, zero. Jesus already has fish cooking on the charcoal grill, right? And uh, the charcoal fire is running. The fish are laid out on it with some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Let's partner this thing together. Bring some of the fish from the miracle. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Notice who went and got the fish. Simon Peter. Like it was the disciples who hauled it in. He had run ahead of them. He got there, and Jesus is like, get some of the fish. And Peter's like, great idea. I'll get them. Now he runs back, and it literally says he's hauling it in himself. He grabs what six guys were doing before, and now he's like, I got it, I got it. Now he's hauling the fish out and pulling the net with 153 large fish. Peter, super excited and passionate. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Just so you know, that's a small miracle in itself. And 153 loaded down fish, and you're pulling on it, and the net holds and doesn't break. This is a huge take. And there have been a lot of people over the years who have tried to figure out why 153? Why tell us that number? 
Why 153? And some have been like, maybe there's a symbol in it. Maybe it means, and then they start coming up with all these wild meanings. And, and I will say, it definitely at least means this. Somebody went, one, two, three, four, get that spread out, five, six, seven, eight. This is going to take forever. Nine, 10, 11, right? Somebody counted. For sure we know that. And we've got the 153 fish that are laid out, whatever they may represent. They are definitely a miracle haul as Jesus Christ has revealed it out. And although there were so many, the net uh, did not tear. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now we've heard of the last supper, and that's where there was actually communion and play. And this is the last breakfast, okay? And as they spent time together, this is a meal together. This is relating together. This is laughing together. This is miracle together. This is the bread and the fish being shared out together. Jesus Christ is like, let's sit down and spend a little time. It says, now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Why does it say that? Apparently, there is a little bit of difference in the look of Jesus Christ as he's been raised from the dead and now glorified. And there's some level of slight difference and they're like, I can tell it's him, but it is slightly different, right? And so there's the same voice and there's the same temperament and there's the same personality and there's the same power and miracle. And this is the same man altogether. And this is his body. I see the marks and I see what's there. And this is also his glorified body, so it's different also. And huge deal. Everybody say that's a big deal. And it's a big deal. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and glorified body. And yes, recognizable to some level, and yet also uh, a huge thing happening that's a difference in it. And, uh, it says they knew it was the Lord. That word knew there literally means through experience and personal life living with. Like it has to do with this personal experience piece. It says, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. So he shared out the bread and the fish. And just so you know, the shared out bread and the shared out fish, usually when the leader stands up and begins to share out, he also partakes with Right? And we actually see that later in Acts as Peter starts revealing out and he talks about the greatness of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And he says, we have eaten with him and we have drunk with him. His physical body resurrected. He does physically eat. He does physically drink. And Peter testifies to that later on. This is a huge deal as they had breakfast with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is physically risen from the dead. And all of God's people said, Amen. and that is a huge deal. No, it is not true. Everybody say not. That it was just some spiritual thing and it wasn't really a physical thing and Jesus never conquered physical death. Everybody say not that. It's not that. Physically risen from the dead physically laughing with them, talking with them, performing miracle with them, eating with them and drinking with them and cooking fish alongside of them. Jesus physically risen from the dead. 
It says, this was now the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first was to the disciples without Thomas. The second was to the disciples with Thomas. And the third is now these seven on the side of the Sea of Galilee as Jesus has breakfast with them. Hear me. He is risen. He is risen. Hear me. The highest of character in the testimonies. Absolutely first-hand experience. They met with him. They laughed with him. They talked with him. The greatness of Jesus Christ, the one who is the Messiah, he is risen. He is alive. There is power in his name. He speaks and it is. Why don't you throw the net on the other side? And there it is. He speaks and it is. Jesus Christ, with all authority, with all power, with all greatness, he is risen. And all of God's people said, man, we have a job. Follow him and follow well. He is great beyond all measure. May he get all the glory. That is meeting with the fourth witness, the seven disciples. Let's pray.